Welcome. You guys seem a little more alive today than normal. You're kind of buzzing. Caffeine, is that, is that the key? Or maybe the spirit of the living God? I don't know. Okay. Well, I'm glad you're here. And I want to talk to you today about programming your mind for spiritual success. One of the phrases that has become kind of popular around grace is the way I sometimes talk about what God does when we come into a saving relationship with him. I say it this way, God forgives all of our sins, he adopts us into his family, and he begins to change us from the inside out. Now, if you've been at grace very long, you've probably heard me say that numerous times. I love that three-part saying, he forgives all of our sins, adopts us into his family, and begins to change us from the inside out. And it's about that last part that I want to talk with you today, the the changing part, how God transforms us from the inside out. It's interesting to me, the Bible talks about different parts of us that God wants devoted to him. For instance, Romans uh, chapter 10 verse 15 says, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. Does God have your feet, bunions and all, Some people have cute little feet. Others are rather unsightly feet. But however they are, does God have your feet in devotion to him? And then Ephesians chapter 3 verse 14 says God wants your knees in prayer. Paul writes, for this reason I bow my knees. I kneel before the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Does God have your knees? Also in Ephesians, it tells us that God very much wants our hands. Ephesians 4, 28. He who's been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with his hands that he may have something to share with with those in need. Does God have your hands in in devotion to him. And then the very next verse, Ephesians 4.29, says that God wants your mouth. You know that we're really God's mouthpiece in this world to be speaking truth and, and blessings and words of edification. That verse says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. So you can see God wants these different parts of us in devotion to him. And then Jesus makes this amazing statement in Mark's gospel, chapter 12, verse 30. When asked what the greatest commandment was, he replies, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Your whole being in devotion to God. So as God is changing us from the inside out, we need to ask, am I loving God with my whole being? Every part of me. Now, 
I've come to believe through many years of pastoral work that one of the most critical parts of us that needs to be yielded and devoted to God, indeed the feet and the knees and the hands and the mouth, uh, the mind, soul, strength, all that's important, but I believe one of the critical battlegrounds is the mind, the mind devoted to God. In fact, um, Paul actually makes the statement in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3, but I'm afraid lest as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds should be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. Paul says, look, if you're going to be led astray, it's going to start in your mind. Here's why that's true. Because behavior follows belief. Just the way it works. Now, uh, for those of you who may be in the psychology world, that's awesome. And it is true that sometimes we can kind of act our way into feeling a certain way. We can kind of act our way into feeling. Uh, it's sometimes been put like this. If we act the way we wish we felt, we'll eventually begin to feel the way we're acting. But don't confuse that with the statement I'm making. Behavior follows belief. Let me put it to you a different way. You cannot behave and act for very long contrary to what you truly believe without causing all kinds of tension and turmoil inside. Have you ever tried it? You simply can't do it for very long. You cannot act very long. You cannot live very long, contrary to what you truly believe, without putting yourself into all kinds of turmoil. By the way, that's, the one, that's one of the reasons that Christians experience so much turmoil whenever we live contrary to what we know is right. We need to ask ourselves, what is this script? What is this program that is really driving my life? Now, here's why this is important. Because all of us grew up, both through nature and nurture, with a certain program, if you follow the computer analogy I'm using this morning. You know, computers run uh, with a certain program. And sometimes that program needs to be updated. Sometimes just a whole new program needs to be brought to the computer. And if you try to do the things you need to do today and tomorrow with the old program, it's going to stall and sometimes even crash. You simply can't do it. You need a new program. Well, here's the thing. All of us grew up with a defective program. Now, I know that your family is perfect and has no dysfunction in it. But if we're being honest, my family had some problems. I know yours is perfect. I know everything is perfect and cool. But my family was dysfunctional. One of the lies that was perpetuated in our family was good things don't happen to the keeners. Now, here's the way my dad stated that. Life ain't no gravy train. There ain't no gravy trains in this world, son. Now, there were all kinds of layers of dysfunction behind that mantra that he gave to all the family. But what it basically meant, I don't have time to go into all those, but what it basically meant was, look, you're barely going to get through life. It's going to be tragic. It's going to be agonizing and hard. You're going to be hanging on by your fingernails, eking out a living. Don't expect any breaks. Don't expect any good things to happen. Keeners don't go to college. Keeners are not educated. 
So don't expect anything good. Imagine taking that program into life. Now, the truth of the matter is, some of you have programs that are far worse than that. All of us are living with some level of dysfunction in lives, both from nature and nurture, particularly from our family of origin, usually. That's where most of them originated as we were being formed in those early years, and we've picked up other things through the years. What I'm saying to you today is that as God begins to change you from the inside out, the program has to change. Because yes, your sins are forgiven. Yes, you're adopted into God's family, but you will not be changed very effectively from the inside out unless the program changes because behavior follows belief. And you simply cannot have the beliefs of a bad, defective program and expect the kind of fabulous transformation and progress that God wants for us. That's why I've come to believe that this is the key right here. Romans 12, 2 says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, all the dysfunction, all the garbage, all the lies, all the things that are gonna stall you and stymie your progress. Don't conform any longer to that, but what? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And that's what I wanna talk with you about today. Because I'm convinced, I don't have any surveys or studies to back this statement up. I just have years of pastoral experience and thousands of conversations and dozens of Bible studies. I'm convinced that 90-something percent of God's people are living far below, and I mean far below, what God has designed them for. I mean, come on. Why is it that even among the body of Christ, there's such rampant and pervasive guilt when God has said, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just. He'll forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness, but we're operating under the old program. Uh-uh, not for you. That's not true for you. And so we live with debilitating guilt when we don't need to. Why so much crippling anxiety when God has offered us that we can cast our anxiety on him and leave it there because he cares for us, but we're living by the old program? Why so much restlessness when Jesus himself has said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, I'll give you rest. Why so much abject bondage when Jesus said in John 8, 31 and 32, If you continue in my word, then you're truly disciples of mine, and you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The Christian life is a life of freedom. It's not a life of bondage to fear and all kinds of regrets and worries and all kinds of stuff that just kind of stymies you and stalls your progress. Why so much lack of maturity? When the stated purpose of the word of God, according to 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, is that we would all become mature men and women, thoroughly equipped for every good work. It's because, listen, there's a hole in the soul of the church. There's a hole in the soul of the church, and that hole is this. We are living by the old program. 
and we aren't getting the results that God designed us to get. So I just simply, I'm on your team. I'm on your team. I want to see you now that you've been forgiven of all your sins, now that God's adopted you into his family. I want to see you be changed from the inside out. I want to see every one of us go from exploring Christ to beginning in Christ to close to Christ to eventually, as this happens, becoming fully Christ-centered people. But I want to tell you, you cannot become fully Christ-centered unless there's a dramatic changing of the program. So for the balance of our time, let's talk about how. And if that's what you really want, if you sometimes are frustrated Why am I not changing more rapidly? Why am I not getting certain things that seem to just come so easy for some other people? Uh, Look no further than this. Paul said it all happens in this critical battleground of the mind. The mind. So here we go. There are five classic ways that God uses his truth to transform our program. And to give us this new script, this new program that will lead to the abundant life. I did not originate this illustration. As far as I know, it was originated by the founder of the Navigators, a man named Dawson Trotman. But I do know this, it's been used all around the world. In fact, just after the last service, out in the lobby, a young man came up all excited. He had a new Christian with him, a guy named Alex he introduced me to. He said he just received Christ two or three weeks ago, I believe it was. He said, and just this week, I was sharing with him this hand illustration and showing him the different ways that God can use his word. And I, we just celebrated that together. And I congratulated Alex on going from exploring Christ to being a brand new beginner in Christ. I said, but the journey has just begun, Alex. It's exciting. So let's look at how this works. The first word I would ask you to write down is the word hear. And if you want a uh, Bible verse for this, you could put Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. First of all, our faith is an invitation to hear. By the way, if you go back to the heart of the Jewish faith, and you read Deuteronomy chapter 6, what is called the Shammai. It's the most central holy part of the exhortation to the Jewish people. It begins with one special word. You know what that word is? Hear. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And then it goes on to describe the awesome, radical ramifications of that and how we're to get this word into our lives and talk about it as we walk by the way, as we lie down, as we rise up. It's to be central in our lives. God was saying to his older covenant people, listen, I want to change the program you're operating with. And he says the same to you and me. By the way, that's one of the reasons you're never making a bad choice when you come to worship like this. You may not feel like it. You may have a million other things you'd like to be doing or feel you need to be doing, but I want to tell you, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. It is awesome to get together and be reminded audibly 
of God's faithful promises of his truth and just let that saturate and wash over your soul. Isn't, it, isn't that awesome? And it's something we could always keep doing. But here's the problem with this. Experts who study learning theory, and I don't know who these folks are. I've read tons of articles on this and so on. And I don't know how they measure all this, but just go with me on these percentages. They say that you only retain about 10% of what you hear, and that for a very short period of time. Can I be honest? That's downright depressing to preachers. (laughs) I work hard on these messages. We put in hours trying to craft these messages for you to hear. And if you're retaining 10% for a short period of time, you know what that means? Wow, we never can get too much of this hearing thing. So I I hope that you hear regularly. I hope you have great teachers in your life. Kind of hard to find people on radio and TV sometimes that are preaching a full orb, faithful message, but God bless you, you're on your own, all right? Uh, I'm not here to try to tell you all the people, but I just love it when I hear that our folks are listening to some great preachers and teachers out there. The second word I want you to write down is read. If you want a verse for that, I'm gonna put Revelation 1, verse 3. Debbie doesn't even know what to do with me these days. I'm so excited Little does she know, it's really the preaching schedule this fall I'm pumped about. We've got a series on Revelation coming, and I'm so excited. you know why? Because Revelation 1-3 gives a special blessing to the person who reads that particular book. Blessed is the one who reads, it says, and those who hear the words of the prophecy and heed the things which are written in it because the time is near. We all need to read God's word. I've got a Bible here that was the first Bible I used to read the Bible cover to cover. I was 13 years old. And this Bible, it has kind of a cardboard cover on it. You can see it's got some electrical tape on it here where I've taped it through the years and to try to hold it together. And it says on the front here, presented to Rex Keener by Gum Springs Baptist Church on June the 15th, 1970, I was nine years old, my first Bible. Just a few years later, I came to Christ in faith, began my journey as a beginner in Christ. I began to read this Bible. It's kind of fun to look at, actually. I pull it out occasionally and see all of the passages of Scripture that I circled. You know why I circled them? I circled them in red, interestingly enough. Uh, I circled them because those are the ones that just jumped out at me. And I meant to go back and read them again and again and to actually hopefully memorize some of them. But it's interesting to me to go back and see the things that God uh, made come alive for me in those early days of reading. I hope you have a program for reading. But here's the problem. Here's the bad news. The learning experts say it's very limited in what you retain. Even when you've carefully read something with full attentiveness, you may only retain about 25% of that for a short period of time. We need to do a lot more than read. The third word I want you to write down is the word study. If you want a, a scripture for that, you could put 2 Timothy 
chapter 2, verse 15. The old King James says, study to show thyself approved unto God. The NIV says, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. The whole idea behind that verse is be diligent. Apply yourself here. I had heard and read the Bible for 17 years, but when I went away to college and began to systematically study the Bible, I learned more in about a semester about the Bible than I had learned in 17 years of just hearing and reading. We need to dig. We need to learn to study God's Word. I love those small groups that really take this seriously. We have some groups that crack open their Bibles, and I mean they really dig in God's Word. I love that. I love it when we have these classes taught by gifted teachers, whether it's a Beth Moore study or one of our classes that are offered here by one of our gifted teachers on campus, and people dive into God's Word. I love that kind of study. Here's one of my favorite Bibles. Now, I don't know how well you can see this, but this Bible looks pretty ratty. You know why? It's got that clear packing tape all over it because it's fallen apart several times. It's just a paperback Bible. I don't even know where I first got it, but it's all dirty on the outside, and it's kind of marked up, and wow, it's barely holding together. You know, this Bible's been all over the world. It's so easy to pack in your carrying case or computer bag. It's so easy to put in the suitcase, pull out on the airplane. I used this Bible for years as a study Bible and just studied and studied and studied in this Bible. And that's why it's very special to me, even though it looks so, uh, so worn and used. I hope, I hope you have a study discipline in your life. But the challenge is that even when we're diligently studying, we're only going to retain about 50%. You still happy about those tens of thousand dollars you spent on that college education? Feeling pretty good about that? For any of you who thought, I'm going to go four years, I'm going to learn everything, and I'm going to coast the rest of my life, you better rethink that. We've got to become lifelong learners. Because we not only need to study, we need to keep rehearsing and reviewing and restudying and reexamining. And the effective Christian life involves a changing of the program. And God uses all of these things to do that for us. But there's a fourth thing I want you to write down, and that is the word memorize. If you want a verse for that, we could put so many, but let's put Psalm 119, verse 11, where the psalmist says, your word I have cherished in my heart that I might not sin against you. Now, on memorization, if you've really got it down verbatim, you've finally reached full retention. You now have 100%. Don't get me wrong, that doesn't mean you understand everything that it means. You may spend the rest of your lifetime plumbing the depths of the meaning of a passage, but if you've memorized it, you at least know what it says. One of the special ways that God 
changes the program in our mind and helps us live according to his truth is, is when we take the time and the effort to just take a snippet of scripture, maybe a verse or two, and we spend the time to memorize that. And see, God has full access to that then 24-7, even while we're sleeping. God can use that subliminally to change the program in, by which our life is running. Oh, I've got another Bible here that means a whole lot. This little red Bible was given to me in the fifth grade public school. Lawrenceburg Public School, fifth grade, Miss Newton's class. And guess who gave it? The Gideons in a public school. Can you believe that? Boy, that was a different day, wasn't it? The Gideons, in case you don't know, are a wonderful Christian group that have given out to date over 2 billion copies of the scriptures. Billion with a B. That's awesome, yeah, yeah. They deserve that. And they put Bibles in hotels and all kinds of public places where they're able. They give them out to people. It is unbelievable the good they've done. Last weekend, we talked about the Ethiopian nobleman that Philip witnessed to, and he was reading scripture, and somebody asked me, where did that Ethiopian nobleman get that Bible he was reading? I said, the Gideons gave it to him, of course. Where do you think he got it? It's great. Well, the Gideons gave this, and as you can see, it, it's, it's falling apart too. I have to hold it very carefully here to keep it from just flying apart. But when I was saved at the age of 13, God gave me a passion, a passion for his word. I really wanted to know it. I'd been hearing it for years. I started reading through it. I started studying it a little bit in, in my Sunday school class and that kind of thing and trying to get some other books to help me, but I really began to memorize. And so as a 13-year-old, brand new Christian, new beginner, growing up with all kinds of bad messages, I, I began to memorize the book of James. And in about six weeks' time, I had memorized 108 verses there in the book of James. And I began to notice, wow. It was just changing me. I began to notice that even things that were a part of my worldview began to kind of open up, and, and I was replacing lies with truth, and I was replacing bad information with new, fresh information. It was amazing, and I kept going because it was so energizing, and I memorized Galatians and Ephesians and First and Second Timothy and First Corinthians and Romans, and I just kept going. By the time I was a junior in college, God had allowed me to memorize 11 complete books of Scripture and to be able to quote them verbatim. Now, I have a confession to make since we're all friends in this together. Can this be like an AA support group for a while here? I am a Bible junkie. I mean, I say I can quit, but I can't really quit. It's just a line I use to try to keep my family and friends from being on my case too much. I have rehearsed this morning 39 chapters of Scripture. I, I've got to confess it. I went on a binge this morning, 39 chapters. I usually do that before the first service here. I'm so addicted. I just can't get enough of it. And today I've memorized 24 books of Scripture completely that I can quote verbatim, and I rehearse at least 30 chapters a day Every single day, I'm confessing my problem to you. Confessing my problem 
Don't clap for that. That's obsessive. That, don't clap for that. That's obsessive. I don't want any of you to do that. But here's what I do want you to do. I want you to be addicted with moderation. I think everybody should get at least two to 300 incredible verses from the Bible that you've hidden away in your mind and heart that God can use to encourage you when you're down, to bless others when they're down, to help you on this journey, and it will reprogram your mind for spiritual success. Just email the office here, and they'll send out a copy. We've got a copy of, I think, 200 and something of the most used verses in the Bible, and we'll give you a copy of that. Just, Just ask for it, okay? But this was the book that I used. Early in the morning, it's the first thing I looked at. Late at night, it's the last book right beside my bed as God was reprogramming my mind. I'm so glad that he did. I want you to love God's word and memorize some scripture. But there's a fifth word, and that is the word meditate. Now, let's write down Joshua Chapter 1, verse 8. And again, when you're meditating on what you've heard, read, studied, and memorized, again, you have 100% retention. You may not understand it all yet, but you at least know what it says. Joshua 1, 8 is an amazing verse. God's word to Joshua, this young leader was, do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Now, that's a Hebrew idiom that means Don't lose it. Don't lose hold of it. It doesn't mean don't speak it. In fact, just the opposite. He's saying don't let it get away from you. Don't forget it. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth, but meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to everything that's written in it. And then he makes this incredible promise. When you do that, you will be prosperous and successful. So years ago, I began to, as I was asking God to change the program in my mind, and I didn't even have that phrase at that time, all I knew is I wanted my mind renewed, I began meditating on God's word. Here's what you do when you meditate. You simply take a truth from God's word, like husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church, and you ask, is there a command here for me to obey? Is there a warning for me to heed? Is there a promise for me to embrace? Is there some specific action that I should take? You just want to ask questions like that of the text. That's what you're doing when you're meditating, and just let it wash over your soul. And I read years ago this analogy of meditation is like a cow ruminating and chewing her cud. Now, I grew up on a farm, as all of you know, and uh, we had a lot of cows, so I saw cows every day. And by the way, I don't know, I, I used to preach to the cows. Did you know that? Seriously, before I had a pulpit, before I had a place to preach, I knew God had called me, and I used to preach to many an unsuspecting cow along Keener Road. Here I am, walking with my Gideon New Testament, memorizing scripture, and I would preach to these cows. I don't know if there'll be any cows in heaven, but I hope so, because I sure preached the gospel to them. I really did. 
And some of you are thinking, oh, what a quaint little yarn. No, this really happened. I, you can't make up stuff like this, okay? I really preached the gospel to these cows. I noticed one day, and by the way, those of you who have never been around cattle, they don't have to- uh, teeth on the top, only on the bottom, and they kind of nip up like that at the grass, and they just swallow the grass whole. They don't chew it first. They have four stomachs. Four stomachs. The fourth stomach is called the rumen, R-U-M-E-N. And when the sun gets hot, after they've filled themselves with grass, they go over and plop down under a shade tree, and you can literally watch this happen. I hope you've not just eaten a donut or something, or you're going to be barfing. You can literally watch as a clump of grass comes from the rumen. You can literally watch it go up her throat. It's like a ball. It's like a baseball coming up. You can just watch it go up as this grass goes into her throat again and she begins to chew it. I watched a cow one day intently. I was just curious how many times she chews that grass. I counted 38 chews. Then she would swallow. Then another clump would come up. 38 chews. That has no spiritual value whatsoever. I'm just sharing it with you. I thought you'd be interested. I found it to be a very curious thing. But the cow is getting the nutrients out of the grass. And when we meditate on God's word, all that we've heard, read, studied, and memorized, God is feeding us spiritually. So I'm asking you today, is it time for you to begin to take some of God's healthy vitamins and let him use it to give you some spiritual nutrition? Are you anxious? Take vitamin A. All things work together for good to those who love God. Are you brokenhearted? Take vitamin B. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Are you confused? Take vitamin C. Casting all your anxiety upon him because he cares for you. Are you depressed? Take vitamin D. Delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Are you empty? Take vitamin E. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Are you facing failure? Take vitamin F. Faithful is he who calls you, and he also will bring it to pass in reference to what he's called you to do. Are you grieving? Take vitamin G. God grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his spirit in your inner person. Are you hurting? Take vitamin H. Happy are you. Because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. Are you insulted? Take vitamin I. Increase and abound in love for one another. Are you jealous? Take vitamin J. Judge not that you be not judged. Are you kicked around? Take vitamin K. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Are you lonely? Take vitamin L. Lo, Jesus promised, I'm with you even into the end of the age. Are you mortgaged more than your means? Take vitamin M. My God shall supply all your need according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Are you neglected? Take vitamin N. Never promise Jesus. Never will I desert you, nor will I ever forsake you. Are you oppressed? Overcome, encourages John, for greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Are you persecuted? Take vitamin P. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Are you about to quit? Quit you like men, be strong. It's a little Elizabethan word that means stand firm and keep 
going? Are you rejected? Take vitamin R, reaching forth unto those things which are before. Are you sad? Take vitamin S, seek those things which are above, where Christ sits at the right hand of God. Are you troubled? Take vitamin T, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Are you upset? Take vitamin U, understanding what the will of the Lord is. Are you victimized? Take vitamin V, verily thou shalt be fed. Are you weary? You will be before I finish this thing, won't you? Weary and well-doing in due season, we shall reap if we faint not. Are you exasperated? Take vitamin X. Exercise thyself rather unto godliness. Are you yearning? Take vitamin Y. Yield yourselves to God as those who are alive from the dead. Are you zapped? Take vitamin Z. Zealous for good deeds. I'm just asking you. Praise be to God. I'm just asking you, because I'm on your team, and I'm not just blowing smoke when I say God forgives all our sins, adopts us into his family, and begins to change us from the inside out, is it time for the the script, is it time for the program to be changed? That's what I'm asking you. Is it time for you to cooperate with God as he begins to rewrite the program in your mind and in your life? Well, as we close today, there's a fourth Bible I have up here I just want to quickly show you. Boy, it is so different from those other three. Those look pretty ratty. But this is a Bible you can be proud of right here. Woo! Leather binding. I mean, this is quality. Would you look at it? It practically shimmers there in the light. It has gold. That has dirt around the edges. This has gold, gold around the edges. It just makes you kind of feel special just to hold it. This Bible is amazing. Uh, Here on the fly leaf, it says, this Bible is presented to Rex Keener on the, let me turn, I can't read it that way. On the occasion of his ordination into the gospel ministry by the First Baptist Church, Lawrenceburg, Tennessee, on August the 14th, 1983 A.D. I guess they thought somebody might confuse that. And A.D. The presentation is made with the desire and prayer that your life and ministry may be filled with the Spirit, magnify Jesus, and bring glory to God. And then it has some signatures there of the people who were signing it and conferring this ordination. But you know what? As impressive as that Bible is, it's never done me a bit of good. You know why? Because I've never used it. Not even once. But man, it looks pretty on my bookshelf. But these Bibles, ooh, these Bibles, God has used them to change my life. And when you take hearing, and when you take reading, and you add study to that, and you get in there some memorization of some verses, and then you add that thumb of meditation, wow, 
you've got a grasp. You've got a grasp on God's word that neither the devil nor demons from hell nor the world nor the flesh can quickly take away. And that's what I want for you. My, what a powerful army the church of the living God would be if we were just equipped in the word and walking in the spirit. What a combination. It would be incredible what God could and would do through us. It all begins with changing the program. Father, thank you for the power in your word. It is truly the transforming agent you use to reprogram our very minds for spiritual success and effectiveness. Thank you for my brothers and sisters that we get to do this journey together. And Lord, I ask for every one of us that we would love you and love your word, this truth you've given us to live by. May our lives be so positively marked by it, it would be unmistakable. May the grace of God be working in our lives and changing us from the inside out. Father, may today be a day that marks a new beginning for many as they say, yes, Lord, would you begin to reprogram my mind for spiritual success? This is our prayer. In Jesus we pray, amen.